Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to the Modernizer Die Podcast, the CFML News Edition, and today is June 23rd. Good to be back. Welcome back, Gavin. We missed you. Thanks, man. I missed everybody, too. And we actually missed a week last week, so sorry about that. Uh, uh, I wasn't here, and Eric and Brad were just swamped, and they just couldn't get it couldn't get it done in time. So uh, sorry about that, everybody. But uh, we're back, and that, that means this week you get twice the goodies. <laughs> it's going to be a big one. Yeah. We should have had Ben Adele host this one because uh, there are a lot of blog posts from Ben. He's been very busy. <laughs> Summer is treating him well, obviously. Yeah, he's uh, blogging like crazy, but we'll get to that soon. But uh, first, I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Auto Solutions. Uh, and without them, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. So they, uh, they obviously support uh, the production of this, but they also do a lot of great things in the community. And uh, we're lucky enough that we're both working for the solutions as software consultants. But um, a big thing they were doing right now is live workshops. Uh, since into the box workshops weren't available, they're, uh, we're releasing all these workshops. And uh, Luis Mahano's workshop on Coldbot's uh, Hero to Superhero has been postponed due to an injury he sustained. So it's going to be in July now. And we're just announcing very soon, uh, as in the next day or two, the next dates for another cold box zero to hero because we have more people that want to attend that workshop so uh get your favorite box product training directly from order solutions and we'll let you know about those workshops on the podcast and also patreon supporters we got a 48 percent of our funding uh is coming from patreon right now so that's a it's a big it's a big thing and we're appreciative of every single one of you So we had some fun news this week. It was Coldbox's birthday. Yep. Coldbox turned 14. Man. So it's, it's been around for a while. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I can't believe 14 years old. I should remember because well, that's basically the age of my uh, my daughter. So I should just remember that. So 14 years, though, since uh, Luis broke ground on Coldbox. And uh, with any luck, this birthday month, we're going to have uh, Coldbox 6 released maybe maybe a month next month but right around 14 years six major releases that's pretty awesome yeah it's uh it's definitely definitely going really strong and we got lots of plans and improvements and we're always adding more to it uh we're really diving into java with the latest uh cold box six especially with all the futures and async stuff that luis has been working on um so definitely want to check out that more myself as well Uh, a lot of stuff i've still got to learn there um a lot of power Speaking of learning, you got an opportunity to hear and learn from Gavin this uh, Friday. We have a new Ordis webinar. Gavin will be presenting on modern, functional, and fluent CFML REST APIs. So this is similar to his Into the Box presentation. Yep, and uh, a lot of people that couldn't make it into the box or haven't got the videos yet um, were asking about it. And Luis actually gave a modified version of this presentation um, to in the Cold, uh, Cold Fusion Developer Week. So I'm basically just going to take a little more time and focus on a couple of the steps because uh, 
we obviously cover like seven, I think six or seven steps that we migrated this legacy app to a more fluent modern API. And we did this with a customer, Eric and myself were uh, part of that team. And we did lots of cool things to make it more functional and, and fluent as we went. And in the presentation, I kind of had to speed over all of the things to get through it. So I'm going to try and focus on a couple of the, the pieces I think are really important and really sort of dive a little deep into that just to give it, you know, something a little different for those who uh, didn't see the presentation and those who did, um, you know, you're, you're going to get just a little more information there. So I think it'll be uh, a good one. So this Friday and uh, yeah, I'll be hosting that. So uh, come check it out. The registration link we'll put in the chat right now uh, and it's going on the webinar page as we speak. It's a late announcement here. So, so if you can sign up there for the webinar, I'll give you the email reminder and that'll be 9 a.m. Pacific on Friday. Uh, on other meetups, we have a meetup this Thursday, June 25th at 12 p.m. Eastern. It is the ColdFusion Online Meetup with Charlie Earhart, keeping ColdFusion and Java updated challenges and solutions. Yeah, so he's got a, it's funny, Charlie's been running this ColdFusion Online Meetup for 10, 12 years, and we had a kind of hiatus for a couple of years now. Because they were just speakers weren't willing to present, and Charlie's. I guess this is the first time in five years he's going to present here. It's not the Charlie show like <laughs> everybody thinks. So he always gets everybody else. He feels bad, you know, talking all the time. Um, so he doesn't speak that often because he already speaks at conferences or whatnot. But this one is going to be, uh, you know, basically how to keep up to date on uh, Java, JVM, and, and everything else, and sort of keeping those updated and some of the tricks and some of the issues you're going to face. So anyone who's, uh, you know, faced a few issues or thinking about updating sometime soon, definitely check this out. Uh, you know, Charlie does this full time all the time for clients, helping them troubleshoot. And so this is his specialty. So, um, definitely want to check that out. Um, we'll send the link here to go check that out. And in case you missed it, there's actually been a couple of other meetups the last few weeks as well. That's right. So uh, you can get the recordings here on uh, YouTube. We'll have the links in the show notes, but there was one on June 18th, how to transform database tuning into a rewarding effort with Josh Patterson. Yep. And then the week before, because we were doing two weeks worth of news here, we also have the one low code for the ColdFusion developer. What is it and why you should care with Andrew uh, Dothry, I think. D Duffy. Duffy. Okay. But um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of a lot of good information there, and it's kind of the new growing segment of the IT market apparently. So it sounds interesting. He's not actually a Cold Fusion developer, so it's he's sort of basically presenting it as something that it's going to be coming to Cold Fusion soon and big soon. So um, yeah, we definitely want to definitely check those videos out. So pretty cool. And Charlie's in the chat, so he said. While there be other speakers to come, he'll do more talks. He wants to get this back to a weekly thing. Um, and, you know, he's also wanted to thank Dan Wilson, who's helping get more speakers. So um, he's actually got a form on the, 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 the meetup group as well. So if you want to speak, send it in and then Charlie will get in touch with you and try and figure out scheduling and everything. He wants to make this weekly again. And I think there's enough great speakers out there. There's enough content for sure. 
Um, and he wants to spread it out too, because obviously, you know, there's a lot of people. I know that the Muir team did a whole series for a while there, and orders took over for a while. And we don't want to make it just one group. The great thing about the online meetup is it's a bit of everything. So let's try and get everybody presenting. And, you know, even if you're not sure what to present, you got an idea or something, you know, send it through, and maybe we can, you know, get you some guidance. And the more people presenting, the, the better the community will be, I think. So. And don't worry, you'll hear from some oldest people on the meetup group soon as well. That's all right. Cool. Okay, so um, another news item is just a reminder. State of CF Union 2020 survey is still open. Uh, you can get to the survey at, on the Tech site. There's information about filling out the survey, and there's also partial results. And we like the results, checking to see what's going on with that. So... Um, it's kind of interesting if you get a few minutes, check it out and see some of the, some of the things going on, but definitely fill that out, please. If you have, if you haven't already and share it with those that may not listen to the podcast or may not be on Twitter as much as you. We want to get as and many then get them to spots. listen to the podcast. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie's also said, uh, yeah, be great to hear some of our sessions or whatever. Um, you know, it's good to have more presentations on, on the meetup. So we definitely want to push that. Um, you know, that's part of the reason we do this conf uh, this podcast is to get the news out there. There's a lot of great cold fusion community content. We just need to bring it to everybody and make it, make it known. So that's a good group. And if you go back, there's thousands, well, I don't know about thousands, but there's a lot of <laughs> videos up there, probably getting close to the several hundreds, at least of all the previous recordings. So it's definitely a great library. So, okay, well, let's talk about conferences. Right, I don't, uh, conferences and workshops we got. Um, the first one, as you mentioned at the top, is the uh, workshops for the Cold Box Hero to Superhero was moved to July 23rd and 24th um, yep. to accommodate Luis. Uh, so that's still coming up, and we'll be announcing some uh, another Zero to Hero workshop coming soon. For those of you listening, you can get a 10% off of your workshop costs by using the po the code PODCAST10 when you check out. Yep, and if you're an ITB attendee, you should have gotten an email with a, a, a code to get 15% off. So if you didn't get that email and you were an attendee to Into the Box, um, give us an email and we can try and get that to you. And we're tentatively looking for July 9 and 10, I believe, for that other workshop so that we can space it out. We don't want to do it right before July 4th. So if we do it July uh, 9 and 10, then it gives us a couple of weeks between uh, workshops. So we're going to try and do something like that. And the next one, is, when's this quick workshop going to be ready, Eric? Any plans? Um, not right now. Um, we're... Uh... I'm busy with a few clients and it's just hard to get the time for it right now. So, okay. Well, if we're, you want we're hoping it, to get it soon. <laughs> yeah. So if you want that, uh, workshop, keep, uh, keep bugging Eric and, uh, we'll get those dates out to you soon as well. <laughs> I know we have one on containerization one on, um, testing that's going to be coming soon too. So, uh, just, yeah, but let us know, reach out, tell us which ones you want to see, f you know, next and we'll try and prioritize those for you. And that's the reason we're doing the cold box zero to here again is we had a few people that couldn't attend the first one and they really want to. So, um, so we're doing that one next. So a repeat, um, but it's a good one to get you started because you definitely get a, 
a nice array of all the bits and pieces Coldbox has to offer, as well as touches on testing and, and other things. So, Moving on to some conferences. Uh, the only dates we have are for CF Summit in Las Vegas on October 28th and 29th. Um, I'll be honest, Gavin, I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, moved online, you know, change in some way. It seems that other conferences are canceling through the end of the year as well, but um, it's still a ways out, so who knows? Yeah, I heard, you know, a rumor a few weeks back that it was going to be announced as virtual soon, but I have not seen that yet, so. Got it. But yeah, there's lots of great conferences, and there's a lot of them online, and uh, we always recommend looking at conf.tech, so C-O-N-F-S dot T-E-C-H. It's a site that has a lot of conference information, and it might have some some new ones up there too, but I think uh, IonicCon is tomorrow um, for anyone's interested in Ionic apps. Um, I think that one's going on tomorrow, but there's a lot of them online now, so... um, if anyone has any that they think is worth noting here, let us know and we'll put them on the list. Okay, so here we go. Uh, we're starting the Ben Nadal blog tweets and videos of the week with a few <laughs> special guests from non-Ben people. <laughs> well, we had two weeks, you know. We know, we already know Ben gets a lot out in a week, and now we have two. So I think he released two or three today. That was a funny thing. <laughs> but So the first one is scope traversal behavior with undefined function arguments in Lucy. So he definitely finds some edge cases, doesn't he? Well, I don't know if I call them edge cases. Cold Fusion's non-handling of null has bitten many a developer. Yeah. (laughs) And this is one of them where null is just treated strange. And you add in the scope traversing and it gets even stranger. Yeah, I bet. So, as usual, Ben has a, a good good detailed uh, description there. So, if you want to learn a little more about scope traversal, that's a, a good one for you as well. Yeah, I would say the, the unfortunate takeaway I have from scope traversal is, even though it might not look the best, adding your scopes in keeps it clear where you're trying to get it from and, in some cases, improves performance. Again, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish it was performant without me typing arguments in front of everything, but yeah, but it'll keep you safe. Just remember, though, when you go several levels deep in loops and you know closures, then you can't do that because if you want the arguments above the one that you're referencing, you've got to drop them, and that that got me all confused one day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So closures, and you want to use arguments from the closure above, uh, etc. So. Anyways, next one on the bin list is struct iteration with CF loop exposes both key and value in CF Lucy. And so this one sort of starts back where he was talking to Gert several months ago and he's sort of following up about the seamless support for Cold Fusion and script. And so one of the, th- the other things is that CF loop now exposes the key and the value attribute uh, instead of looking up the, the value of the CF loop body. So just some little bits and pieces here, but again, a nice clear example, but um, here you got the, the data key and it sort of goes through the process and sort of shows you some examples, so yeah. It's important to remember this is a, a Lucy only. If you try to do this in Adobe, you'll be confused by what comes in index and what goes in item. I know that's caught me before. 
Yeah, and I always get confused jumping between them and jump between when you're going through, you know, struts versus arrays versus queries and which which I, ones I, you need where and CF Docs is my friend. Yes, I believe uh, if you're for an array when you're looping over, uh, Lucy lets you use index or item as the same. I um, believe so. And Cold Fusion it does not, and so that's caught me before. So just yeah, CF Docs is your friend. Yep. <laughs> And the other thing too is when you're jumping back to old versions, there's you know the support changes dramatically, and I've been bitten where I've jumped back to an old thing and like, oh, that doesn't work. I have to get the item and use the array and the array notation, and it's frustrating. So we have a non-bin one up next. <laughs> we sprinkle them in. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a blog post from Brian Class. Um, we actually have a few from him in this two-week special. But this goes beyond the basics using AWS S3 and CFML, using lifecycle rules to automatically delete files after a period of time. And so uh, we'll look at lifecycle rules in another blog post that he mentions as well. But um, basically, instead of just moving files to different periods, you can also delete files after a period of time where, you know, maybe you want to, you need it for so long, but after a certain period, you're never going to need that again. You know, maybe like log files that you're, you need to look up for the next 30 days, but after that, you don't care. Um, you know, rules like this uh, are pretty nice. So yeah, it talks about expirations I, and, and how to use them. I was thinking reading through it of uh, some sort of like public Dropbox where you wanted to share it with certain people you know, with the world for a while, and then it just automatically deletes. So yep. Yeah, it's pretty exactly. nifty. Yep. And back to Ben Adele. <laughs> and so this one here, we're talking about proxying Amazon AWS S3 pre-signed URLs uploads using CF, HTTP, and Lucy. And so this was an interesting one where um, basically the, you know, when you upload a file to S3, those pre-signed URLs are really neat. Um, but the problem is, is that if someone's in an enterprise who blocks calls to Amazon AWS, then those don't work anymore. So you talked can about you, how to proxy around them. Who can afford to block Amazon as far yeah, as... Yeah, if he'd said government, I would have said sure. But yeah, enterprise, you know, I was surprised too. But so much stuff is on enterprise, I guess people see, oh, there's a lot of stuff coming down from AWS. We shouldn't let them through and then realize that half their internet doesn't work anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he basically shows how to work and create a proxy, which is pretty neat. Uh, yeah. I, I obviously, I'm happy that I haven't had to deal with this before, but this is a, a pretty nice solution for getting around that. So yeah. So yeah. So thanks again, Ben, for sharing all the awesome details. Um, now this one here, we have a live stream that was streamed last week. We actually have two from Matt because we've had two weeks, but Matthew Clemente is building a Node.js CLI utility and Brad is screaming. I can hear him screaming from here. Or but, he might be laughing because uh, Matt's note on it at the very end says, I'll be honest, I've been spoiled by Command Box. Yes. <laughs> command Box's right. batteries included we approach. Exactly. So he uh, he basically walks through it here. So this is um, using command line arguments, and I actually got a tweet from him um, in response to that, saying that you know Brad was pretty happy that uh, he's probably struggling. But the the, <laughs> the tweet the tweet was pretty interesting because it actually went into uh, 
some details and he gave me a little short list of the things that it was missing so let me pull that up here and let me see so he was realizing that uh, command box has a whole bunch of stuff baked in like argument handling is baked in prompts are baked in hints and help is baked in styling color is baked in um but basically he's saying command box did a pretty damn good job so good job brad so yeah but is right i mean a lot of those stuff takes a lot of work to build and brad built a lot of that into command box so you don't have to struggle it's already there so pretty cool but if you do want to see how hard it is um to do it the old school way and use node because everyone thinks node's better um check it out and yeah maybe you'll enjoy some struggle but it's still good there's, that you know experiment like that i like that there's a few people that think node is better there's a lot of people that just think node is ubiquitous <laughs> yeah i agree fair enough okay so next we have another one from ben so he's returning CF query query results as structs in Lucy. So this is one of the things I like is that um, Lucy has an automatic way to convert your query into an array of struts. And ColdFusion, when is it? Has it started supporting that in 2018 or is it? A, I think it, in 2020 they have it. But I know that when you're dealing with QB, we had to deal with this before. And I, I tried right. to make a pull request that didn't work in Adobe. <laughs> So, and not not only did Adobe uh, not support like queries as structs or queries as arrays, but if you included the parameter in the query execute call, it would yell at you. So, oh, well, that sucks so even I, more. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you could just do it, and if it fails silently, that would have been nice. But yeah, you know, what a pain. But anyway, so this does talk about how you can do that, and he, I like when he adds a video too. So there's a little short video here for you guys to watch. So I'm curious with this, um, looking at the output, I can see it's keyed by the column, but it's a struct of structs. And I'm curious what happens if you have duplicate of the same key. You know, like in this case, it's user ID, but what if user ID was in there twice? Would it make an array? Or I want to know. Yeah, I'm Ben, do a curious. blog post. <laughs> well, see, so. yeah, I mean... I'm kind of curious too, because like whenever I've done it, I've always got an array of structs back. So I'm wondering if he's just experimenting with that. So that'll be yeah. interesting. I'm sure if I know Ben listens to this, and we'll probably have a blog post next week, right, Ben? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these are handy features because there's times that you you would like a struct grouped by that key, and it's nice that Lucy does that work for you. So yeah. I look forward to the day where Adobe adds these features as well, and I can put them right in the QB and cut out, you know, like a whole three utility functions I have to maintain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So another one from Ben, this is a little different. This is where he gets on his soapbox and maybe I should have him on the soapbox podcast to talk about this, but he's, Ooh, yeah. he's got a pretty strong opinion and he says every line of code that you write is an explicit decision to make the application better or worse. And so this one is, he said he started from uh, listening to a comedy show and um, Hannah Gadsby comedy special, which he approves of that. But um, basically that, you know, with a painting, the artist makes an explicit decision for every little thing they do. And he was comparing it back to code and everything. And so he's, his feelings are very strong, as you can tell by the bold. I'm surprised it's not all caps, but um, and that's, that's why he rejects the formatting aspects of linting. And he says he'll never be a Golang programmer or whatever, because uh, 
yeah and he, he says it's why he'll ever, never use prettier so uh, interesting but yeah so basically he's made all those decisions while he's writing this code he doesn't want something else to go change it because he made it for, on purpose and obviously with ben he has a very space uh <laughs> spaced out of way to do his code and prettier would mess that up pretty good um, <laughs> oh, this so. is interesting i think you were right that you should have him up on soapbox um because yeah. it's interesting to read his thoughts and i i tend to have different thoughts i'm a huge proponent of the automatic formatting i love not being having to think about it and it fixes the things that i miss that i would like to have done and yeah. i really like it in a team where um and contributing to other environments where i don't have to care how they format it i just have to run a command yeah so i can see some of his thoughts and that's why i think it'd be fun to listen to it on the podcast okay so um, ben is your invite i'm back from vacation now so let's uh make some time and do that i've been wanting to have him on there for a little while anyway but this might be a, a perfect perfect excuse so okay so another one by Ben. Sorry, the next one is not him too. So let's show you this one. <laughs> so this one is talking about using update and order by to, and limit to, to drive multi-worker migrations in Lucy. So he actually has another blog post, which we'll probably reach here in a minute, but talking about using the order by and limit to, to limit the scope of data migra uh, mutation. So it's kind of handy yeah. too, if you're going to do an update and you you know, don't have a where clause, at least you can catch it and only break one record. But, um, yeah. So he, he uses a database table as a, as like a message queue here. Um, and one of the tricks to doing that is, and why a lot of people avoid using a database table is because you're having to up, keep track of what columns are being worked on by who, especially in parallel, that can create some blocking issues. Um, but he's going into how using order by and limit on your update queries helps you avoid, you know, grabbing more than you expected when you're updating and updating the wrong rows. So it's, it's cool. an interesting, um, really an interesting look into message queues and Kind of how they work on the database level and um yeah i really recommend looking at it yeah and i like the fact he's highlighted the golden rule of migration something will go wrong yes <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah and but i like it going through the multi-worker migration environment yeah yeah traversing i mean it's a really detailed long blog post so if this is something you guys are looking at doing and it's yeah it's a good one for that and I like he's got all these little animated GIFs, and he's got the video at the top. So, again, a really, really thought out super blog post. Most people work on this for weeks to get one, but he seems to knock out several a week. So, good job. Okay, as I promised, the next one is different. So, we're, <laughs> we're back to Brian again. <laughs> so, uh, Brian Class is. Um, this is basically the, the first blog post about lifecycle rules. So this is one that talks to about moving files into different uh, storage classes. And the reason is you can save money. And that's where you talked about in the previous post before this one is about how there's all these different classes and most people don't know about them all, but there's several different classes of S3 storage as well as Glacier. Uh, you know, there's different types of cold storage and, you know, less frequently accessed ones. And so what you can do is when your people upload into S3, based on these lifecycle rules, you can have the files move automatically into a different long-term storage option. So a different class of storage. 
And so this one here talks about how they work and how to use them. And a good thing is too, is intelligent tiering versus transitioning actions. Um, does so he has a storage class called intelligent tiering, which basically looks at the different patterns of storage and it's pretty neat. But again, like Amazon, there's always a million options. So uh, definitely read through this. And then here he actually gives you the CFML code to do it. So great thing. Like I said, his, his series last year was about 16 blog posts. This one, I'm sure it's going to be about that long. And his, his S3 session into the box was really great. Talking about all these types of things. So it's good to see a little more detail here in these blog posts. So maybe even I can learn it. <laughs> Okay, um, we also had a blog post from Fusion Reactor. We had a few of theirs, but most of them are very Java related. So with the amount of content, I did skip a few, but there are some Java ones there if you'd like. But this one's about why is technical debt becoming increasingly important? So they talk about what it is, why do we have it, and why is it significant? And this actually talked about Gartner estimated the sum amount of technical debt worldwide has reached $1 trillion in 2015 could double it's kind of okay. crazy when you start putting numbers <laughs> on it but yeah technical debt is an issue technical, i find technical debt interesting um because just in the real world sometimes you need to take that debt to like as a, to get an investment you know buying a house buying a car um yeah. and in some cases in businesses you take what you thought was debt and you never have to come back to it because it didn't matter and it actually wasn't debt so yeah. So I think it's we gotta be careful when we think like, oh, let's not accrue technical debt. It's a, yeah, it's a trade off, you know. Yeah, it's like some people who live on cash. I'm like, okay, you can't live on cash, but there's a lot of things you're missing out of because of some interest. You know, like you said, the te the technical debt is the same way, right? If we prematurely optimize everything, we're gonna spend years before we get anything usable, and yeah. by that time, it's you know you've missed the boat basically. Yeah. I once watched an interesting uh, programming uh, series where the person was going through, like, they wanted to build an application. Where do they start testing, right? And they started listing everything the site had to do. And then they stopped and mentioned, like, this is an e-commerce platform. Can I insert records into the database myself? Yes. Can I email customers invoices? Yes. What can't I do that my application has to? And that's where you start. You know, and uh, I thought I try to think of that whenever we're building out features is um, you can throw people at the problem. That's fine until yeah. you get, you know, to the size and the resources that you can fix that. So, yeah, they talk about that with uh, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff with MVPs, you know, like, yep. you know, basically is, OK, you don't want to automate everything. You actually want to do a lot of things manually because you learn a lot from that. And then once you have a manual system down, it's easy to automate it. It's hard to automate something before you figured out what you're trying to automate. So if you, they say do something manually till it hurts and then you automate it, you know? Yeah. Sounds, so. sounds right. Yep. Okay. So technical debt, good read. Okay. We're back to Ben. You just want to see more pictures of Ben and his, his favorite. That's things. right. This one uh, was related to the running those migrations. It is uh, noting that you can use order by and limits with an update and delete statements in MySQL. Um, you can also use this in, I believe, almost all the grammars. Oracle would be the one that might give you issues. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I use this myself inside QB and Quick. 
to make sure that when you update your record, <laughs> there's only one row being updated, you know, um, in case there's something you've done to your database query that you didn't mean to. So it's pretty nice. You can throw a limit on the end of your statement um, and only, you know, limit one, one row will be updated. Limit two, two rows, things like that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like the tools that have built-in features that remind you when you're doing an update or delete and you don't have an update, uh, a where clause that you're running it without a where clause. So I like those tools. Right. <laughs> um, one note on MySQL probably will let you ignore, like leave out the order by. That's not smart <laughs> to use a limit without an order by. Um, I know SQL Server will stop you. It will mm -hmm. yell at you to, when you try to do that. Um, I can't remember about Postgres or Oracle, but the the lesson is always include an order by if you're going to use a limit or an offset. Yeah. Otherwise you get some semi-randomness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one more by Ben, and then we have a break for a minute. So this is another <laughs> soapbox. Why he uses tiny int columns instead of bit columns for Boolean data in a MySQL application. So this is interesting, and I know that we've run into this with ORM stuff, with um, the way Hibernate works with Postgres versus MySQL versus MSQL, depending on the columns. And I think um, the way Postgres handled bits and Hibernate, you had to change the data type for it to work versus tiny ints. So it's little little things like that. So right, it's. It is a bit of database compatibility issues there. Um, Ben's post talks about how bit in most of these cases isn't just a single bit, but it can be, you know, a number of bits between, you know, one and 64. So it is representing some sort of binary data. And that's why sometimes in ORM, you'll see it comes back and it's just all garbled. And you're like, what is this? As opposed to tiny int, which is just a number that's not going to get bigger than, I think, like 255. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting. Goes through the the pros and cons, and also some settings that you can switch to make your drivers work with the way you want, or you can just use Postgres and use the Boolean table type. They support Boolean as a real thing. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's something we have to do with the content box to try and get it work with Postgres. Was change things to use the Boolean value with Hibernate, I believe. Right. So. Yep. Again, lots of good stuff there. It's going to take me another vacation just to catch up on Ben's blog post from my vacation. <laughs> I will say in uh, in QB's schema builder, we have a Boolean column type, and uh, we do use tiny int on MySQL since there is no Boolean. So I guess as far as this soapbox post, uh, Ben and I are on the same page. That's so. always good to see. <laughs> Uh, Teratech um, released uh, Cold Fusion Security Best Practices Lockdown uh, Guides. So this talks about auto lockdown. So um, it's basically introducing the Cold Fusion 2018, but um, basically it's a, a nice little tool. It talks about how it works and everything. So if you guys are using Cold Fusion 2018 or um, or planning to use 2020, I'm sure it's going to be available there too. You find out more about how that works and make sure your your server is locked down appropriately. We have the uh, the last of the Ben Nadal corner. Uh, yeah, I almost with... did put him in a corner too because there were so many. But 
with uh, t entitled, I've had fundamental misunderstandings of how CF query param works within MySQL queries and ColdFusion Lucy CFML. So this is a follow-up to an article he wrote about his experimentation with uh, the in clause, you know, um, oh, yep. passing in multiple records and how was it paramming them and creating prepared statements. And so this is a classic deep dive into what is happening in the database. I learned some tables that I had not seen that taught me where I can see prepared statements. Um, and I don't know about you, Gavin, but my takeaway was databases are really smart. You don't really have to do crazy things to help them in most cases. Not anymore. And yeah, they've got a lot better. In this case, there wasn't. he didn't need to do any fancy like padding of the in params. It knew it didn't even need a prepared statement because it was so small. Yeah. So That's cool. It, but yeah, there's a lot in there. I probably will be referring back to this at some yeah, point. Yeah, I know. I looked through this and yeah, just the output and then down the bottom of the blog post. Um, you make sure he turned the general log off. So you're, <laughs> it's not so great for performance when he is logging them. So at, earlier he showed you how to do that. But yeah, make sure you turn off your logging when you're done. Same thing for, you know, slow SQL queries. You don't want to always have that on in production and stuff like that. So um, they're good for debugging, but make sure you turn them off. Like most monitoring things, you can't have running production if you want things to work right. So... But yeah, that's a, a huge, another monster post, but really inf informative. And I know you do a lot of work with QB and Quick, so you're, you're into the databases, but I need to dive into those more and make sure I'm not getting too far behind in my understandings. Well, you got those blog posts and you got that uh, CF meetup early, from a yep. couple weeks ago. So Exactly. Yep. And so we also had another live stream from Matthew. So this is the first one um, on the building a node cli command so here you'll see this how we got started here um so yeah so this basically two there i definitely recommend that um i'm not sure if he has them in a in a playlist or not um he probably does so you guys should check out those videos and he does it usually live i believe um on wednesday nights at 8 30 uh, eastern which is 5 30 pacific so i believe so follow him on Twitter if you don't already, and you can see those, and you know maybe you can heckle him like you guys are heckling us. <laughs> okay, so there was a, another blog from Fusion Reactor, so sending custom metrics to Fusion Reactor Cloud. And so I know Benny Dell blogged a bit about this recently when he was doing his series, but uh, there's just a little more information on how to, to send metrics through, and basically how you can get some sort of custom graphing too, so. It's pretty interesting. Oh, nice. So this is, you know, I'm using Fusion Reactor Cloud. It's a big upgrade from the standalone, and we're using it for quite a few sites now. But yeah, you can configure, you know, your graph profiles and a lot of stuff in there that I haven't even touched. So I really like the the Fusion Reactor blog post giving me more detail on how to customize all these these graphs that they give you in the dashboards. And uh, there's a few other blog posts here. So if you guys are using Fusion Reactor Cloud. Um, Maybe you want to look into that and make your things a little more powerful. So, And they win for the best variable name, the Frappy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what that meant for a long time until I finally figured out Fusion Reactor API. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We also had a, a tweet um, 
And this one was about Code Wars. So for a while, we talked about that all the time, didn't we? We did. We we had our big push to uh, get CFML onto Code Wars. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all of you, we got that done. And yeah. this tweet was somebody uh, mentioning that along with some other languages. that They call them niche languages, which I thought was kind of fun because yeah. it included Visual Basic. Which I guess I don't think of Visual Basic as niche, but maybe it is. Yeah, but like Factor Code and then SWI Prolog. I hadn't even heard of. Some yeah, I haven't of heard these. of the rest of them. <laughs> so I guess we so are niche. You, yeah. <laughs> but yep, so it's up there. And for those of you who haven't seen Code Wars, it's a great, great tool where you can basically work through, um, you know, work through some samples, um, do some training. I actually have a few blog posts and videos out there too. So um, definitely. Definitely recommend checking it out if you want to keep your skills up to date. And you can do them in lots of languages, JavaScript and ColdFusion and some of those new ones they just announced. But uh, there's quite a few languages there, so it's pretty cool. Now, we also had another tweet from Dan Fredericks. Did you see this one? I did, yeah. So this is about a, a Chrome and Firefox extension called CodeGrepper. It, what it does is when you search for... Um, something that is relating to like coding code and would have a code snippet. It searches it through the websites and the results tries to pull out a snippet and show it at the top of your search results. Yeah. I thought it was kind of so, interesting. I don't know yeah. how, how it works or anything um, behind the scenes, but that he was saying that this might be an extension people would like, you know, hinting at orders, you know, mm. I do have to uh, plug my favorite, search engine right now DuckDuckGo actually does this out of the box so ooh, and it's secure and in, private and that's what everyone loves about it too right no i mean if i can pry google away from you you get all these nice things over here so <laughs> this looks great for you those of you who will never leave google <laughs> yeah so DuckDuckGo, i guess i can show that real quick so yeah but it's private that's the big thing about it. Uh, there is, you know, extensions and everything else too, but a lot of cool things. Um, but yeah, they don't store any of your personal information ever. So a lot of people who don't like Google have their information or anybody else. Uh, it's a, a good option. And the search results are pretty good too. Yeah. I, I use DuckDuckGo as my main and the, the best part, they have these little, um, can't remember what they call them. Um, they're like bang shortcuts. So use the exclamation point and then like a letter and you can search in different places. So exclamation point AZ will do Amazon. Um, G will do Google. So if I really feel like I need to get Google, I can jump straight from there. Hmm. Um, things like that. So I just, uh, IMDB you can use. Um, That's cool. So yeah, duck, duck, go. Okay. Well, maybe Strangely I'll enough, using it more. Over, out here in Utah, I have seen a lot of billboards for DuckDuckGo, um, which I thought was an interesting thing to do to advertise on a billboard, and I don't know why here, but it was kind of fun to see. Interesting. Yeah, Matthew Clemente is in the live chat. Thanks for watching. But he also says that DuckDuckGo has better code-related results than Google more often than not. So, so yeah, so that's cool. So, yeah, maybe we just switch to DuckDuckGo, but, yeah, that code gripper looks interesting too. So, um, curious. Okay, we finally made it through all those blogs. We're doing pretty good on time, actually. We're, we're not way over like I thought we'd be. But, Two weeks of blog posts. Yeah. 
I did skip a few though, so I only gave you the best of the best. But we had some CFNL jobs this week, or actually two weeks. So there's five new ones listed. And right now there's over 44 jobs on get CFNL jobs right now. So 44 cold fusion positions from 33 companies across 23 locations in five countries. So getcfmljobs.com, you can find all that there and it does tweet as well. Um, so we have uh, a senior developer for cold fusion and hybrid ad and in India. We also have a Cold Fusion developer at Downers Grove, Illinois. We have an Cold Fusion slash Angular developer they're looking for them in Memphis, Tennessee, as well as a Cold Fusion developer in Austin, Texas, and a Cold Fusion program in Washington, DC. So these are all being posted in the last couple of weeks, and so all the links will be in the show notes available on the cfmalnews.modernizerdie.io website. Okay, well, a lot of great jobs there. Hopefully everyone's getting back into the working things after everything. But we also have a Forgebox module of the week. So this one, we're actually uh, plugging a Lucy extension. And so this Lucy extension is by Zach Spitzer. And we I think we mentioned it in a blog post a couple weeks back, but I wanted to actually spotlight it because it's kind of cool. And so this one is the Lucy Performance Analyzer. And so this is a Lucy extension you can install. Uh, and basically what it does is it, it gives you a, um, a little panel inside your Lucy admin to be able to look at different um, things that uh, Lucy's tracking. So you can have a summary of top variable scoping problems. You can see slowest queries. Uh, you can also you know, do some different debugging and, and set up debugging stuff to do more logs. And so it's pretty interesting and hopefully there'll be some more uh it talks about hacking too so you know if you want to get some get into it but it's just a pull request um away all the code is right here so you can get into it see how it works um but yeah this is up on forgebot so you guys can install it and i think there is a requirement here supports lucy 5.2.8 and later so just so you know but um yeah, it's a good little tool, and that's available through Forgebox too, because Forgebox is a Lucy extension provider as well. So some people did not know that. But yeah, so that's our Forgebox module, or I guess extension of the week. But we also have Visual Studio uh, hints, tips, and tricks of the week. And so yeah. this one is one that you actually recommended, so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Happy to. So this one's called Advanced New File. Um, I'm glad somebody ported it over from Sublime Text. And so I try as much as possible to do keyboard navigation, you know, keep my hands on the keyboard, not having to switch around for the mouse, especially when it comes to uh, file paths and having like expand and folders and find where it goes. So Advanced New File with a keyboard shortcut lets you fuzzy search any existing directory and then once you're there, you can provide a relative path to a new file, and it will create it there. So that's nice because you can start in any directory, go up and down, create new directories even, just by all typing it out where you want it to go. That's pretty so, cool. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, that's all it does. It's pretty great. Cool. So you can set up your own key bindings if you want to as well. Some simple configuration if you need. But, um, oh, Maximilian Smith. Um, out of that so cool 
So yeah, so that looks pretty neat. I don't think I'm going to have to install that one right away. So good stuff there. Okay. Now, that being said, we're at our end of our show where we thank our wonderful, amazing Patreon supporters. So we're up to 48% support right now. We have, I think we have, well, it's more than I thought. We've got 27, I think 27 Patreon supporters right now. So thank you everybody who are supporting us and the support obviously goes towards this podcast, but we also get um, support for command box, forge box, cold box, content box, test box, and all the other box products. So hopefully we can build that up to fully support the podcast and then continue supporting those other tools. Uh, and there are a lot of different packages available on patreon.com slash order solutions. So you can, um, you know, basically pick a package that matches you and there are bigger packages for companies as well but uh we got a lot of individuals supporting us and yeah we really appreciate each and every one of you so your turn or my turn i think it's my turn okay go for it thank you to ben nadal brett deline carl van stetten charlie Earhart, Dal lee dan card daniel garcia david bellinger dda lesnicki don bellamy Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Kai Koenig, Laxma Titrahadi, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Odin, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mathur. Thank you for supporting Order Solutions and this podcast. Yep, we... We thank all your support there. And like I said, it's, you know, packages start from, I believe, just 10 bucks a month. Um, and everything helps. And if you're not able to help financially, we obviously love to see issues being tracked, pull requests, documentation updates, etc. So uh, if you're able to help in other ways, we appreciate all of the help. Um, but we do want to spotlight these Patreon supporters taking their hard-earned money and, and helping us make these things possible. So... Thank you so much. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, I can't believe we're actually under an hour. Um, probably if Brad was Ooh. here, it'd be about three. So, phew. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> but uh, another good couple of weeks, and we'll be back same time next week. So we'll see you all then. Have a good one. See, see everyone. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.